0: Welcome everyone to this season's first episode of Check the Net, Impact 89's own college basketball podcast. I'm your host, Colin Pearson, and I'm joined today by Impact's own Kylie Tabler and Derek Mitchell. As we're starting a new season, I'll give everyone a chance to introduce themselves, and I'll start. Uh, I'm a civil engineering major from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and as far as basketball goes, I have never had any hand-eye coordination whatsoever, but I enjoy analyzing stats. I'm a big upset predictor. That's my thing.
1: Hello, um, my name is Kylie. I'm a sophomore from Oregon, Ohio. I'm majoring in social relations and policy and international relations, which is a mouthful for just pre-law, I guess. Um, I played basketball for eight years from fourth grade up until I was a senior in high school. And my biggest thing is I love to talk about strategy and I love to talk about um, all the fun on the women's side.
2: Hello, everybody. My name is Derek Mitchell and I'm a journalism major and a junior and I'm from West Booneville, Michigan. I am currently a sports journalist, and I uh, work for a couple clubs up at Michigan State right now, and I just love to call basketball, football, hockey, anything you can get my hands on, and I'm very excited to talk about the talent in the college basketball world. Awesome. Well,
0: let's uh, jump right in. We've got a new segment to start out this season. Um, we're going to call it Checking Back In. So this segment, each week we're going to start by taking three minutes to check in on a team, player, or story we mentioned the week before. This week, because it's the first episode of the summer, we wanted to check back in on one of the biggest stories from the summer, and next week we'll be checking in on a story from this week. All right, I'm going to start the clock, and then we are going to talk about this week the uh, death of the Pac-12. Oh
1: my gosh, no way.
0: No. So So sad. Is it all quiet on the Western Front? At this point, I think we've seen most teams figure out where they're going. We still don't know where Oregon State and Washington State are going as of the time of recording this podcast. So the question is what does this mean for the teams this year being their last year in the conference? Um what teams have something to prove? I I don't even know where to start with this because the Pac-12 with its history and all that has just collapsed.
1: Yeah, I hope there's more of an incentive to win. Like who doesn't want to win the conference their last year of having it mm-hmm. and just be like known as like oh you were the last winner of the Pac-12. So hopefully that's like an incentive for these teams to like go all out and like play their best. You know, basketball ever.
2: That is such a big flex. Like I have the trophy, I won and you can't say anything to me. So mm-hmm. I think just the incentive of being able to win. But um hopefully they get some more like teams to come into the division, honestly. It might be just dead now and they could just let it ride into the sunset. But I think <laughs> they got a couple more teams to just make it more interesting for viewers. That would be nice to watch.
0: Yeah. I mean from there do they pick up most of the Mountain West? Um, does the Mountain West then raid big sky? What what happens there? Um, personal opinion: I think they all combine into one mega conference. Try to be that last, mm. final Power Five. Even though they're not going to be no.
1: a powerful <laughs> no. Power
0: Five, they could still be on the same level as like American at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas they're a little bit below right now. But then that begs the question of when Washington State and Oregon State, those two teams are much higher level than most of the Mountain West. How do you
1: balance that? Um, I think you just, you pull in high level teams like that are mm-hmm. going to be at the same level as Oregon state and Washington state. You pull them in also to create a more competitive conference for, you know, the teams within it. Cause dominating conference is awesome, but however, it can probably get a little bit boring if you don't have that big mm-hmm. of a challenge ahead of you. So I feel like pulling in other high level teams is entertaining and motivating for players and is entertaining and motivating for audience members.
0: But who do they pull in? Like, I don't know. San Diego point. State feels <laughs> yeah, like the obvious choice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But And like maybe Sleepers. Boise State for football's sake. Mm-hmm. But what about some of those other teams? Like, There's a lot of questions there. Um, we have 30 seconds left on the clock,
2: so whoever wants to chime in. Um, so I just think they need to just pull in the best talent they can get to make it more interesting for viewers, like you said, Kylie. And just like just pull in as much talent as they can to make it more interesting.
1: Yeah, I know where they're going to get it from. Uh, I don't know what teams <laughs> would go like super-duper well. In the yeah. Mountain West, to be honest, but I don't know. It'll be interesting.
2: They have some scouting to do for that.
0: It will definitely, definitely be interesting. And that is the end of our time for that segment. So that was checking back in. Next week, we will check in on something else we talked about from this week. Um, but speaking of conference realignment, let's talk a little bit about the conference realignment that's going to happen this year um, In rather than, oh, in 2024. Let's talk about what's happening this year in 2023. Um, in the Big 12, and in the American. So, filling some of you guys in on that, Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma are in their last year before they join the SEC, um, and the Big 12 is adding Central Florida, Brigham Young, Cincy, and Houston all this year. Um, the American is, le- is losing Cincy, Houston, and UCF for the first time, um, Houston after their dominating run for the last many many years um, but they're also adding pretty much the top half of Conference USA which includes teams like Charlotte, um, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. So where do we stand there? What are you guys' uh, most anticipated new rivalries there?
1: So mine at the moment is um, Houston and Baylor um, they've both been top-ranked teams on the men's side for a really long time, or at least within recent years. Um, So I'm excited to see them both compete against each other and just kind of hopefully fight for conference championships and tournament championships. And it'll be really exciting to see, hopefully, where they'll be like standing in March and kind of get a glimpse of what it could be.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was thinking the same thing. I really love that they're both in Texas. <clears throat> Because yes. we are starting to lose some of those regional rivalries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that we're adding that one. Because that the closeness of those two teams and the levels that they've both been playing, especially in men's basketball lately, mm-hmm. just make that such a fun
2: matchup. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. I agree. Definitely I love in-state rivalries. I think they're so much fun.
2: They definitely make it so much better. I love in-state. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. Yeah, what do you got, Derek? Um, so mine is going back to a little bit of a classic with Purdue and in Indiana. Both teams are always looking at each other during the year when they see them on the schedule. And when they're in their home stadiums, there's always a lot of buzz around and a lot of hype around it in the crowd. And when you're looking at the two premier big men in the college basketball, Zach Eady, of course, he's been dominating for the last couple of years. And Tracy Jackson Davis, who loves to chap a lot and loves to talk a lot. And I always like seeing people talk, yell at each other. It's always make basketball a lot more fun. No fights, but we love seeing people chirp at each other. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The chirping, especially between Purdue and Indiana, just
0: make Mm -hmm. it such an exciting one to watch. There's just a little bit of bad blood, but just (laughs) enough that it makes it fun. Yeah.
1: No, I completely agree. Um, Again, in-state rivalries are so much fun. And um, they both, I mean, both teams individually also add a lot to the conference, especially with, I mean, Purdue's been dominating the Big Ten for the past couple years. So it'd be really fun um, to see Indiana knock them off.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, personally, my favorite new rivalry is not an in-state rivalry. It's not a pack, or it's not a Power Five rivalry, um, but Florida Atlantic and Memphis is going to be a fun one to watch. And I think the bad blood is building and the blood is boiling between these two teams, um, especially considering Memphis has been just praying and manifesting the day that Houston leaves the American <laughs> for so many years. They have been such a good team, and they've always fallen just short of Houston. Every year, year after year, Houston takes that number one seed and Memphis is stuck at like the eight or nine. And I think Memphis was ready for that one seed to just dominate because they're a great team. Mm -hmm. They always Mm. do good in the tournament. They're really fun to watch. And now they thought they were going to have it. (laughs) And Florida Atlantic, last year's Final Four team, is coming in hot. (laughs) <laughs> on yeah. this conference and ready to take it all They're not losing anyone I mean Florida Atlantic just has Such a domination already Right now that I don't think Memphis is going to take the conference <laughs> And the bad blood between these two teams Is mm-hmm. just already there Without having ever played each other It's going to be fun to watch
1: Yeah no I'm definitely excited to watch um, FAU this year and in this, this conference Especially Memphis is also always Super fun to watch so I'm hoping mm-hmm. to get some good games out of the, both of these two teams.
2: If I was Memphis, my blood would be boiling right now. Like, why'd you have to come here and ruin <laughs> all my shine? It's my time to shine and I can't win? Come on now. But I mean, just I love seeing new teams come in and I loved, I'm i love excited to watch Florida Atlantic just come in and just try to run it a little bit. Like, I love to see the competition and the bad blood between those For two. For sure. Yeah, Memphis has just been waiting on this day and now... <laughs> they will <day>, never come. <laughs> they <is> not coming.
0: <laughs> they're not happy about it. It's going to be crazy. Um, but I notice... We all talked about matchups on the men's side when we talked about our most exciting new rivalries. Um, There really isn't a whole lot of crazy good teams moving around on the women's side this year. Mm-hmm. Um, next year, there probably will be, and we yeah. can talk about that in a second. But is this... I just want to talk about for a second, is this year's conference realignment good for the women's teams that are moving right now, for this year?
1: For this year? I don't really think so. I think for the past few years or longer even the same women's basketball teams continue to dominate from bigger conferences and from you know more well-known I don't think these teams coming into new conferences are going to be met with anything but a really really difficult challenge ahead of them with a lot of these big women's teams so I don't think they're going to shake anything up I would love if they did that'd be so exciting and so fun to watch but I just don't see it happening this year
2: yeah yeah for sure I agree as well. More or less, they're not really going to change anything with just the conference realignment and moving these teams. But I would love to see just one team surprise everybody and kind of shock the world. Mm-hmm. But I highly doubt it'll be this year. Yeah. I think if there's any two teams that could do
0: it, it's going to be Rice um, in the American because they were pretty good in the Conference USA. They weren't great, but they could, you know, end up taking the American being not as great of a women's conference. Mm-hmm. And then the other team I think could do it is BYU. Um, who really has been dominant in the past in women's basketball, but over the past few years has been kind of having a rough streak. Um, I think joining the Big 12 will be very tough for them mm-hmm. because the Big 12 is just so dominant on the women's side, um, especially with Texas still in it this year. Yep. But I think they could have a really nice run um, later on in the next few years. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about next year's realignment in 2024. Will it have more exciting women's matchups? I mean, we know Stanford's moving to the ACC. That's mm-hmm. the obvious one. That's mm-hmm. going to be just chaos and incredible <laughs> basketball. But what about some of those other ones in the SEC and the Big Ten?
1: Yeah, I'm excited for USC to move to the Big Ten. Um, they've got some really good uh, recruits coming in. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I'm excited to see um, some new rivalries, especially on the women's side, because there's There's few and far between, to be Mm -hmm. honest, in the women's side, Um, especially, like, within conferences. The Big Ten is always typically a very good women's basketball conference, but I'm excited to see some more big name teams come in.
2: USC is going to come in and mix it up, so I'm excited to Mm -hmm. see that. And just, like, I mean, as a Michigan State fan, I don't know if we're going to—we're probably going to be just as good as last year. Maybe not because we lost Matilda Egg, but I mean— We'll see how that goes, but I'm just excited to see them come in and mix it all up.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm especially excited for Oregon because I played against one of the girls who plays at Oregon at the moment, so that'll be really, oh, really? fun. Oh, wow. Yeah, Grace That's Van Slewtent, she won uh, freshman of the week, I think, four or five times last mm-hmm. year in conference. She's a great player, super duper fun to watch. Not so fun to play against, um, but <laughs> that'll be fun Absolutely. to watch her be able to come travel back in the area and kind of come back home and get to see her play, mm-hmm. so yeah.
0: Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, let's stick to the women's basketball side for that. Um, This week, I wanted to focus a little bit more on some of the big commits, some of the big recruiting names that we've got. Um, And let's just start with USC like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, Juju Watkins is the number two overall recruit. She's been back and forth with Michaela Williams, who we'll talk about in a second. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, she's just going to be fun at USC. Um, She's got long threes. She does great steals. And has a ton of competition experience in high school. Mm-hmm. I think that's personally where I see her getting that number one recruit and mm-hmm. where I think she'll really succeed at USC. What are you guys' thoughts?
1: No, I agree. I think it'll be exciting to see her blend with what you know USC has and see how well she can go up against other teams in conference, mm-hmm. especially coming next year to the Big Ten. Like I said earlier, the Big Ten is a really tough women's basketball conference, so it'll be interesting to mm-hmm. see how she compares to other players. Like, I mean, she long threes, Kaitlin Clark. It'll be yep. interesting to see how <laughs> kind of that comparison goes.
2: I mean, adding a sharpshooter to your team can never hurts anybody, so I mean, comparing her to Kaitlin Clark and seeing that matchup happening will just be awesome to see because everybody's just going to be sniping, and <laughs> that's kind of exciting, but um, <laughs> I'm just excited to see how that goes with Juju Watkins. That's going to be awesome, especially in the Big Ten because we're just such a Good women's basketball conference. This is going to be awesome.
0: Yeah. Speaking of a great, um, great shot, let's talk about number four, Hannah Dalgo, who <laughs> has kind of a wacky looking floater shot. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's she's super successful. Um, she's number four overall. Um, she's a point guard. She shoots a lot, um, and she's five foot six, which is significantly shorter than a mm-hmm. lot of the players out there. But she gets around. Everyone, and she can dribble through a wall. Mm. I mean, yeah. I have never seen videos like hers. She's just crazy. Um, what do we think with that? She's going to Notre Dame with mm-hmm. number eight, Sandra Prosper. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing names. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that matchup and those players together will be just fun to watch. Yeah. Trying to figure out how they'll fit in with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm excited, especially since floater shots in basketball, men's or women's side, are very few and far between for players who do have really good floater shots. But mm-hmm. they're also a really great tool to have, especially when getting and shooting over those big players. Being five foot six and playing high level collegiate basketball you're at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. height, just purely height-wise. So it'll, I'll, I'm excited to watch her floater shot. That's really where <laughs> I'm coming from because it is definitely one of the best tools to have for a shorter player.
2: You have to have a certain floater type of thing in your game to be able to compete at this level because it's college. You're playing really tall people and really good, skilled players. So you got to have like a good floater shot. Being able to dribble, a lot, dribble through everybody like a wall is really impressive. And it seems like they're kind of building a little super team over there, getting another number eight prospect over there, so that's really Mm -hmm. exciting for Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, and Notre Dame has historically been a really, really good basketball Mm -hmm. school, so I'm excited to see what their coach does um, with these two really good players.
2: Yeah,
0: that should be really fun to watch. Um, Lastly, I want to talk about the number one recruit overall, um, who's pairing up with the number 10 recruit actually, um, but Michaela Williams has been called the future of LSU basketball, which says a lot considering (laughs) LSU was national champions last (laughs) year. (laughs) Um, what are we thinking there? (laughs) Like, that's just crazy claims to make for a number one recruit, even though she's such a good player. Mm -hmm.
1: That, I think, presents a lot of high expectations. Um, And hopefully, she's able to live up to being the future of LSU basketball. I'm not saying she will or she won't. I really hope she does. It's just that's a lot of pressure. So it'll be interesting to see how she competes at the collegiate level because that's really what it all comes down to for Mm -hmm. all of these players. And this is why, personally... Recruiting numbers don't necessarily mean the most to me. It all depends on how they mesh well with their team and how well they play against other high-level players. So hopefully, I really hope she's successful.
0: Do you you think she will mesh well with the team? Um, Because personally, I know I've looked at her videos, she has a very similar playing style, but I don't know if that would conflict or not.
1: Yeah, um, if she has a similar playing style, hopefully. uh, We'll just see how many minutes she gets. They have a lot of really great Mm -hmm. returners coming back to LSU. So we'll just see, you know, whatever Kim Mulkey decides. I have faith in her. So <laughs> I, I but I would love to see Michaela Williams get some time this year.
2: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Just having a number one recruit coming to your school is awesome. You gotta give them some time to have mesh or learn a little bit. So maybe don't start them immediately because you have a lot of returners coming back. But definitely try to just slatter her in, maybe off the bench a couple games in just to see how she plays, see how she meshes in with the system. And I think she'll be great because you have a bunch of talent on her that I can lift her up. So I think there's no way she won't be terrible. And I think she could be the future, but not just immediately.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I will say that if we go into the top recruiting classes, LSU is number one up there. Unsurprising. Um, no no <laughs> surprise there with number one and number 10 overall. You get Arizona at number two, which was a little bit of a surprise until you start looking at um, their depth on their recruiting class. Mm-hmm. And then you snag Notre Dame, South Carolina, UConn. Like, None of those teams are of any surprise. No. Um, we're seeing the top teams take the top once again. But the one team that surprised me a little bit was North Carolina State, hmm. who went 9-9 nine and nine in conference play last year. They were 20-12 and 12 overall, so they were okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but Westmore has the number 10 recruiting class in the country. Mm. Um, that would be
1: fun. I think that would be great if they could <sighs> kind of take the spot of one of these more well-known dominating teams. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, North Carolina State has been good for many years. They kind of had a down year last year, especially. But, I mean, just to see them back in that top ten of recruiting was kind of a surprise to me.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an unexpected one. But nonetheless, it's still exciting.
2: It's still exciting. Maybe they can take it to the next level and be on the same level of those teams in a couple years. If they keep recruiting like that, then they hopefully they should be.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's just talk quick about the main teams to watch for recruits. Um Each of us are just going to pick one. So, Derek,
2: you want to start? Spinning back to what we were just talking about with LSU getting so many good recruits. I mean, you just look at their roster and look at their national championship run last year. It was just fantastic to see. And adding another number one and number number eight is insane. Like, that's just going to be awesome to watch. So I'm really excited for that.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I have South Carolina. I love Don Staley. I love South Carolina. So it'll be really interesting to see how they bounce back this year especially after they graduated one of the top recruiting classes, honestly, in my opinion, of all time in women's basketball. Um, So it'll be really exciting to see how they bounce back and hopefully, hoping they have a really great season.
0: Yeah, personally, I'm watching Stanford um, because despite a few players transferring, um, Lauren Betts to UCLA in particular, Mm -hmm. they have the number seven recruiting class, and I think it's going to be fun to watch them take on the Pac-12 in their final year, which is just wild to think about still. Um, But before they move out east to the ACC, which is a dominant women's Mm -hmm. college basketball conference, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to be a fun team to watch recruiting-wise, especially with that switch. um, Because in football, you know, them moving out is kind of a downfall for the recruits. But in basketball, Stanford is really getting a good, Mm -hmm. good recruiting class um, profile with this move. And I'm excited to see what else they can do. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to the men's side. Um, I didn't write down any of the top ten players because, really, I, as Kylie was saying, it's hard to say who's the top ten based on specific numbers. But mm-hmm. um, let's just talk about a few of them. Um, Isaiah Collier going to um, Southern California is wild to me as the number mm-hmm. one ranked. Um, but there's a lot of players out here we could talk about. What do you guys? Who do you guys want to talk about?
1: Who in particular? Mm, I don't know. We'll see. Bronny James going to um, Southern California. That'll Mm -hmm. be interesting and seeing how he bounces back um, after what happened this summer. So hopefully he's healthy and ready to go because I'd like to see him watch and and watch him compete at the collegiate level Mm because I've seen, um, you know, everyone's seen the highlight reels, especially (laughs) of Bronny James. I mean, they're everywhere. So (laughs) it'll be interesting to see how he competes at the collegiate level.
2: I'm kind of excited to look at Jared McCain. He's been a big social media presence for the last couple of years, and he's kind of crazy with the TikTok dances, but I'm talking about the <laughs> basketball side of it. But um, he's, uh, he has a good two-level game, and he's a good shooter, so I'm excited to see him and really change the way Duke plays and just add on to it, really, because he's such a good player. I'll
0: be honest. I kind of forgot about him. So <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up because uh, he is a crazy player that's mm-hmm. really, really good. Um, let's talk about the recruiting classes, too. Um, because I feel like we see all of these classic blue bloods mm-hmm. every year take the top few recruiting mm-hmm. classes. This year is really no different. There, we've got Kentucky at number one. We've got Duke at number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, UConn at number four. Um, USC surprises me at number three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Very, but I think that's a reasonable place to put them because mm-hmm. of some of their high level recruits. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And I think we can all be excited about good old number five. Go green. Go white. This is Michigan State. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, we could
0: we could all talk for days about Michigan mm-hmm. State. 100%. Um, for you listeners out there, we're all state students. <laughs> we're all IZO members. We could talk for just days about it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these other teams a little lower down did surprise me. Um, I want to talk about Iowa State and Oklahoma State in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, these two teams are both Big 12. Yeah. Like, the Big 12 mm-hmm. is so dominant, and neither of the, those two teams I would consider dominant teams in the Big 12. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we just evening out the playing field in the Big 12? Is the Big 12 going to be just this Now <laughs> <hope> so. mild-card <laughs> conference? So yeah, fun to watch.
1: that'd be great. Didn't Iowa State, didn't they start off really strong last year? They
0: did, and then yeah. they had a very rough yeah. second half of the season. Hopefully, mm-hmm.
1: um, with the recru- with their recruiting class, then they can you know, consistently be strong all year. Mm-hmm. 'Cause it'd be so fun to watch them in the tournament for sure.
2: It's just like I'm just excited to watch these new teams come into the tournament and like make it and just go yep. crazy in there. I'm just really excited. Iowa State and Oklahoma State, just new teams, new names, new faces that can obviously recruit players and hopefully they'll keep going up in the list with and they'll match one of the blue buds one day. But I'm just excited to see new teams and take over.
0: Yeah. I, I also wanna talk about one of the blue blood disappointments, North Carolina, had a kind of rough recruiting class. <laughs> they're number 32 in the nation. Ooh. They're behind the likes of Illinois, Iowa, Marquette. Really? Um, they're behind Colorado. Like some of these <laughs> schools that have very little basketball history or very little recent basketball mm-hmm. success. And North Carolina is just Feels like they're falling off.
2: Way to put on for the Blue Bloods. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's kind of. Well, they had a rough season mm-hmm.
0: last they, year. They did. They weren't supposed to. Yeah, yeah, they
1: started out number one, and then it just downhill from there. <laughs> so I think, and I think a lot of that it reflects on recruits. I mean, mm-hmm. if you see that you know a team is coming back ranked number one, ready to go, and then it's just a down like downward spiral, you're not gonna want to commit there. I Mm -hmm. think you have to find those happy medium teams where either they're constantly extremely successful or they might not be extremely successful. They're still successful enough Mm -hmm. and they're consistent because a lot of recruits are going to want consistency from teams.
0: But Mm. here's where I'd like to argue that storyline. I'm going to jump right into the team I want to (laughs) watch. Louisville had the number six recruiting class and they have been falling apart lately <laughs> for the last like four years. They've just been yeah. nobodies. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They started a few years ago as number one seed. They were crazy good for who knows how long, um, and then Chris Mack took over. It was a one seed. He was, and he didn't make the tournament again. He's mm-hmm. cool. he. That's the team de- got destroyed, um, in part and quite a bit under mm-hmm. the scandals of Rick <laughs> Rick Pitino. Um, mm-hmm. but the team did not get better. It only got worse, and then he got fired. Kenny Payne took over last year, and mm-hmm. Louisville ended the year with their worst record <laughs> in recent history, a 4-28 and record. That's ah, a rough record. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Ouch. Yeah. Despite this, <laughs> the Cardinals have four four-star commits and a five-star commit, and I yeah. don't know how Kenny Payne did it, even after his first year with a 4 and 28 record mm-hmm. i mean new coaching i get it you know you're starting out a little bit rough you're inheriting mm-hmm. a pretty rough team but going 4 and 28 and then having the number 6 recruiting class how how
1: it's a skill recruiting is a skill straight up so he he's po- probably promising these kids listen we're going to be good mm-hmm. maybe not great but the next few years we can build once you get more experience we can build up from there and i think especially starting and being the foundation of a potentially really good team is going to be appealing to kids for sure.
2: I'm just excited to see like, I want to know what he's telling these kids in that room. Just like what (laughs) what is he incentivizing them? What is he telling them? Like, yeah, we can be good. We can be great. Give us a year. But like, just like you said, but I'm excited to see just kind of what they do Four twenty-eight is, Honestly, terrible. But, no. <laughs> but they, if they could turn it around maybe in a couple of years, especially with four- and five-star recruits coming, and they should be able to. So yeah. I'd love to see how that goes. I mean, I would love to
0: see the Cardinals return to former glory, but, like, <laughs> how are they doing it differently than North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Who True. just went with this similar storyline. Um, I mean, they were – they did it all in one season, granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rather than over a few seasons, new coach slowly yeah. starting the rebuild. But, like, mm-hmm. will North Carolina come back with this a few years later? I don't think I so. I feel
1: like once you hit 4 and 28, you can only go up from there. <laughs> so we're hoping only up from there.
0: What happened to 3 and 29, though? <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
1: I really hope they don't hit 3 and 29. Yeah,
0: that's very embarrassing. You can't, can't do yeah. that. Yeah. I, like, I get it. They're in a good conference. And, yeah. And, but how how, did, how do you get those recruits? I just, I can't wait to see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what that team is this year, whether all of those completely brand new team mesh, meshes, how it plays against some of these other crazy teams that mm-hmm. are really good. I think it's going to be a very interesting season to watch for Louisville. Um, yeah, for sure. Derek, what team do you want to watch this season for the recruits?
2: Um University of South Carolina, we've talked about them twice before already. And um, they obviously had the addition of Brian James. Hopefully he's recovering perfectly and well from that. Uh, that's really sad. But um, hopefully I can see him come to Michigan State one time if it's an away game and he could just see him in person. Maybe LeBron will pop out. I don't know. But like <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome to just watch because he's such a dominant player. And they got so much talent coming there and talent coming back from last year. Hopefully they can make a run in the tournament. I think you meant South California. So, yeah, oh, California. Yeah, bad, South Carolina. South Carolina. I'm nah, like, men's bad, team bad. is not that good
0: there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That team, especially with Bronny James, um, I think Bronny James really brings a completely different narrative to that team too. Um, All sorts of
1: publicity from that, mm-hmm. honestly. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah.
0: Like between NIL with that mm-hmm. and just being LeBron James's son, I think they're going to have – pretty much LeBron James is going to be an assistant coach without being officially hired.
1: <laughs> being I think... coached by LeBron James would be amazing.
2: Like he's the best. I don't know. You could just learn so much from him. He's not even hired or getting paid. So
0: yeah. When you recruit a guy like Brownie James, you're really taking not just him, but also his dad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool for uh, South California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kylie, what about you?
1: Well, shocker, shocker, obviously Michigan state. Um, We have one of the best recruiting classes, and I'm so excited to watch. Um, I think it'll be interesting how they integrate some of these players. Um, I think fears will be interesting for many reasons. I don't think any of our recruits are going to start. I think we're way too – our benches – I think our starters are set. However, I'll be excited to watch them all come off the bench, um, watch them Mm -hmm. develop. Cohen Carr is so fun to watch, even just his highlights as like (laughs) – he was playing in the IMEs gym like last week, <laughs> <laughs> posting up in the gym, and it's just insane. So I'm just so excited. It's going to be an electric year, and I'm going to say it now. Hopefully I don't jinx it. This this could be our national championship year, and I am so it excited. It could and be, I can't but wait. let's knock, knock on wood, wood. Right? Yeah, knock on right? wood I for that. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited to watch these new recruits. Hopefully they all get s- at least some time on the court. Mm. Um, and Izzo does a really good job at that, especially with these good freshmen coming in. He'll try to get them minutes no matter what because that's yeah. how they're gonna become better in the future. So and I'm excited to watch him coach. Great guy.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely wonder about Cohen Carr because he is such an energizing player, mm-hmm. not just energetic, but energizing, mm-hmm. where he can really just start a team back up with a nice dunk, just <laughs> yeah windmill dunk a <laughs> few feet over the basket. Mm-hmm. He's crazy like that in his in the videos I've seen and watching him a little bit. Um I wonder if Izzo will kind of take him, put him in right at the beginning, and mm-hmm. just like start off on a good foot with a huge mm-hmm. dunk from him, <laughs> and then take him out and you know refresh with everyone else. Yeah. But I wonder if Izzo is going to make that move to really start every game on this hugely energetic thing. And yeah,
1: I don't know. That I just don't think seems gonna like an anymore. Izzo
2: thing to do, if you ask me. But who would he take his? Who would take his spot though? It's like they have some. We have so many good veterans coming back, and like yeah. the point guard and shooting our position, when like Akins and the whole guard, they have to start. Yeah, you like, can't take yeah. them out. Yeah. You can't
1: take honestly any of our starters out. Be real, like they. You're. You you can not replace any of them. But I can see him rotating mm-hmm. all of them in and off the bench. So
0: yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that brings us to our full court press for the week. Um. So re- little refresher on full court press. It's a. What are you going ninety four feet for today? It's a recurring segment. Um, Everyone on the show for the episode gets to hold the episode for a few minutes, go a little bit more freestyle about anything loosely basketball related um, with no political hot takes or anything that can bring backlash, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But let's just start it off. Kylie, go right on ahead. I want to hear what you have to say.
1: So one of my biggest pet peeves about summertime (laughs) is the fact that there is no college basketball and it drives me absolutely nuts, especially even right now in the fall. Like, yeah, football's great, but I'm so much more of a basketball girl. So I think that co- collegiate-level teams should have some sort of either summer league or just kind of some summer games, like just sprinkled throughout you know, their training and things like that. I definitely think that it would be good for players, it, kind of like more exhibition games over the summer. Good mm-hmm. for players, especially the newcomers coming in, get their feet wet against other collegiate-level players from other teams. Um, just to kind of be able to, you know, see how they're going to be doing for the year, what they need to work on against other players. And it'd be really entertaining <laughs> for fans Um, just to be able to watch their favorite teams a bit early. So I just think it's a really great idea. It kind of reminds me of like the NBA Summer League when they have a lot of their new like signees come on mm-hmm. and they play in the Summer League. Why not have the newer like the sophomore freshman players come in and play in those Summer League games, get get good touches on the ball get coached by their coaches, and just be able to have that live play experience. You know, playing in practice is so much different than playing in a game. Mm -hmm. And anyone who plays any sport knows that. um, You can play against the same teammates all day, and you know their weaknesses. You know where you're going to be able to dominate um, other players on your team. You know aspects where you're maybe not going to succeed. Playing against other players from other schools takes that element completely out. You're going to have to think on your feet. You're going to have to figure out in-game, and I think that would really— enrich their minds and get them ready Mm -hmm. for real game situations like during the season.
2: I feel like coaches like Tom Mizzle will love that. Just being able to put his, if you have a big recruiting class like we do or all the other teams we mentioned earlier, come in and just, they're always playing each other and they're always just learning their teammates. But you got to go play another USC team or play another team like that. Mm -hmm. So you can get that skill early before you come into like the Breslin and you got to play a bunch of all these people. And you got to play against this really, really good team. You don't know how to do it yet. You don't know that feeling yet. So it's just kind of smart to get it to learn that skill early for you when you come into the games in the season.
0: My only question there is, do we start losing the element of surprise because we add so much of a season that we, you know, lose that... um, For example, when UNC took the number one seed overall preseason last year and just (laughs) fell. That is Do we lose some of that madness because we've seen these teams and how they're performing? Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know if we lose some of the madness. Um, I just think it would really add to in my opinion it adds to the entire game like there's I hate when sports are not all year round like when i was in like school i played sports all year round and without them i get like bored so maybe this is me <laughs> thinking selfishly that i want to be able to watch collegiate basketball over the summer cuz the nba does not hold me over um but i i still think it'd be really good for especially the new players for their development in the future
0: definitely yeah. i get that for sure
2: 100% um
0: i'm going to start mine On a completely different note, (laughs) I want to talk about the simple things in life. Student sections should be free and should be larger. Preach. Every school out here is just, like, blocking students out of their student (laughs) section. (laughs) These students who are the lifeblood of this arena and this stadium. Like, you're making them pay money to be there, and you're condensing them to this small area. And I get it, like, a little bit of sportsmanship and whatnot, but, like, At some point, just build a slightly bigger (laughs) arena if you're going to build a bigger (laughs) arena and give the students a little bit more because when we look at teams, even like Michigan State, where Michigan State, the Izone takes the lower bowl and then they take whatever is extra in the upper (laughs) bowl. Mm -hmm. Just like this random tiny sliver up at the top, if you got every student down there in the lower bowl, it's a completely different atmosphere. If you take teams like Indiana, where they get like this section... um. If you expand that, it makes everything harder to play Mm -hmm. for any team that comes and visits Indiana. And I think the um, publicity for that is more fun. I think the TV is more fun to watch Mm -hmm. when there's a student section going wild behind (laughs) Mm -hmm. and all around the stands. I think it would be more accessible for students as well. Um, Just making the student sections free, making them larger, Mm -hmm. making them more inclusive to everyone. I think that could really be a big thing for colleges to have a bigger home court advantage.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, in-game, the hype around the student section is it's insane, and it really fuels players. Mm-hmm. And it is so frustrating being at the upper bowl of the zone and <laughs> everyone's so <laughs> tiny looking down there, and no one up there is as hype as the lower bowl. So mm-hmm. I think it would be really awesome for them to expand, specifically at the Breslin, upward. Um, the lower yes. bowl, expand them up a little bit more. Um, I think it's great. The only thing with having it be free is there's going to be a lot of students that are turned away because we don't have capacity, which I mm-hmm. which I understand. But I think free is great. Um, I do like, you know, getting a student section T-shirt and I think, you yeah. know, having to maybe buying that separately. But I don't know. I think there's some logistical problems that that would be posed. But I definitely agree about the larger part for sure.
2: When you're recording, like when I go record at a live game and watch a Michigan State game, it's like we're, there's those dedicated camera always looking to the student section, and they always want to see those good reactions. So if there's more people, more hype around it, you could definitely get better shots. So I completely agree with it. But the lines will be like all the way around the entire oh, stadium oh, at yeah. like seven in the morning, just like at the Drake concert. You can't, <laughs> you can't get in. So I mean, I'll, you have to camp out, skip class, do all that stuff. But to me, that'll be worth it. But um. There's,
0: there's definitely that, uh, that to consider that (laughs) I did not consider when I (laughs) first started talking. So, yeah, definitely, Derek, what do you got?
2: Okay, so my thought process is, if I'm a player, I'm a D1 athlete at Michigan State, just because we go there. But um, after a very tough game, I need to let off a little steam. I dap up everybody on the team. I go through the line, do the handshakes, talk to the coaches, whatever. And sometimes I just want to go into the crowd and jump up and down with the fans and have fun. So I should be able to just go into the crowd, maybe take a couple of pictures with a couple of people, have a little bit of fun after. I know there's a bad sportsmanship thought with that, but I feel like just having fun with your team after a huge game is just fun and that should be OK.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that. Um, I completely agree to a to an extent because <laughs> sportsmanship is obviously, you know, the first thing that has to happen. And I think you're opening a can of worms here. The sportsmanship where you're going, okay, just celebrate after the sportsmanship part. And you're like, wait, but after the sportsmanship, do I not have to be sportsmanlike anymore? Because all this can still be on TV or recorded Mm -hmm. um, with the internet. Anything can be shared. And I feel like that's dangerous almost just to the sportsmanship aspect of the game
1: yeah i think it's so fun um (laughs) (laughs) i would love to have um some of our players come into the stands and you know just cheer around with us or honestly kind of a little bit towards that why don't we have allow the student section to rush the court i know there's probably some dangerous there's something dangerous (laughs) with that for sure (laughs) however like on those big games like last year we when we beat indiana at home Mm. like you you, i wanted to rush the court Uh, i wanted to hop over the the barrier and get on and just you know cheer with the team um but no i agree it sportsmanship should definitely come first however partying with with the student section <laughs> after a big win, that'd be so much fun.
2: I feel like it should be maybe like a national championship if Michigan State gets there, knock on wood, but if Michigan State gets there and we win that, then I feel like you should be able to storm the court. Oh, I mean, definitely. Like, that's yeah. the biggest moment ever in Michigan State history. Or, so, I mean, you should be able to storm the court and just have a bunch of fun. Like, you just won the national championship. I feel like that's kind of the only exception. I know what you're saying, Colin, and I get it, but I think that should be the only exception.
0: All right, yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, I'm going to close it up then, guys. Uh, Thank you, guys. Um, Everyone, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Check the Net on Impact 89 FM. Let us know what you think by connecting with the station on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at WDBM and at Impact 89 FM. And then this will be our first full basketball season on the podcast, and we're all very excited.
1: Yes.
0: The next few episodes will be in a similar format to today's, but after that, We will jump into our conference predictions and our preseason tournaments. Um, The season's madness is only just beginning, (laughs) and we cannot wait to talk about it more next week on Check the Net. Thanks for listening.